Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello, how are you all? I just wanted to say a huge thank you so much for the support you've shown the podcast so far. I've been completely blown away with the love from you all and how many people it's reaching. I know you're absolutely going to love today's guest, infant sleep educator Hayley Bookhamseam, aka The Gentle Mama. As I have a 10-month-old at home myself who loves a night party, you may hear me scribbling some notes in the background. I regularly repost Hayley's Instagram quotes as I love her outlook and ethos so much. Hayley is mum to two girls and is based between Dubai and the UK, although available on our good old COVID friend Zoom as well. She prides herself on providing scientific facts on infant sleep and development, and then it helps parents tap into their own intuition to guide families to find a sleep solution that is holistic and personal to their setup and needs. So that's enough from me, let's get started. So hello Hayley, thank you so much for um, joining me today. It's really kind of you. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, thank you so much. We've just discovered in the little pre-chat that you're literally a stone's throw away from me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But with the lovely COVID rules, we've um, we've met on Zoom. Um, So we can kind of nearly wave at each other out the window. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) one day we shall meet, perhaps. (laughs) Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. This is such a strange situation that we're in. It is, it is. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be quite getting any better yet, does it? But, Not yet. Um, onwards and upwards, as they say. Um, so, yeah. um, Hayley, I always start um, my podcast with uh, the same question, if you're happy to answer, which is, how did you meet your husband? Uh, yeah, we we met in London. We have... Uh, we spent probably two years in London before we moved to Dubai. Wow, I love that. And how was yeah. it? How was like your first date and things? Was it? Did you know, or did you, was it just like oh, I quite like him? And do you know what the first date was? Oh, he's nice. Um, yeah, let's see. And then we got to date number three, and we were sitting in Yoacha in London which is such a good restaurant and we were having such a nice time and the chat was just awesome. And I suddenly thought, Oh my God, this guy is on my level. We are absolutely (laughs) on the same wavelength. This is it. And yeah, that was it really. I, from then I was like, okay, I'm, there are going to be no games this time. I'm not going to do the dating game with him. I'm just going to be me because this guy is on my level. And yeah, it was that was it history <laughs> oh that's so lovely so when did you get married uh in 2012 and it was a pretty quick so he proposed in 2011 and mm. then in 2000 so he proposed in november it was the 11th of the 11th 2011 nice at 11 minutes past 11 right you can't forget <laughs> that one <laughs> yeah um and then he um so in Saudi, my husband is Saudi. In Saudi, they uh, they get married pretty soon after they get engaged. There's not much of a break. Mm-hmm. So when he said, let's get married in March, I was like, ha, 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 that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, no, really, seriously, this actually could be a really good thing. Um, less planning means less stress. Yeah. And it was true. And we got really good deals because we went for a, a, a Sunday in March. Mm-hmm. Um and our venue was significantly cheaper than we if we'd have paid for like a Saturday in May or June or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we got good discounts on everything and we only had to plan for three months. So there was very little stress. It was amazing. That's beautiful. I love that. Did you have a Muslim wedding then? We had a... Um, 
so we had the civil ceremony, mm-hmm. British civil ceremony, but then we also signed the British Muslim marriage contract at the same time. Awesome. And what about children? You have two girls, don't you? Yes. So uh, my eldest is six. She's just turned six in the summer and my youngest turned two in the summer. So there's a four year gap between them, pretty much exactly four years between them. Wow. And can you tell me about your pregnancies? Yeah, I'm not a good pregnant person. I don't (laughs) do very well. (laughs) Um, I had a bit of a a challenging time being pregnant. Um, First time round, to be fair, you know, first time we moved to Dubai and I was pregnant within a month and then we were buying a house, renovating a house um, and, you know, renovating every single room of the house, ripping everything out. And it was actually pretty stressful. Um, It wasn't ideal. Uh, So that pregnancy was tough in that I was trying to carry on acting as normal, but um, I was pregnant and you can't really just keep going as normal when you're pregnant. You do have to take or make allowances for it. Uh Uh, I didn't really do that very much. (laughs) It got to me. Um, And I also, I don't know if this is common or not, but I stopped drinking water. Um, I, I felt such nausea if I drank water. So I was down to 500 mils of sparkling water, sipping it throughout the day. And that was all I could take. Oh, no. That's yeah, not good. It was Nothing. So you couldn't take any other liquid. No, I just couldn't face anything. And oh, I, wow. I lost 15 kilos during oh. that pregnancy. You, you, you so lost 15 kilos? Lost 15 kilos. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I ended up lighter by the end of my pregnancy than I was when I started. <laughs> My pregnancy wow and obviously <laughs> yeah. being in dubai you get scanned um like pretty much every every appointment yeah. so they were following her progress and she was doing okay out of it but you were absolutely fine but you um, just weren't <laughs> i was yeah i mean by the by the end i was okay um but i had uh spd which mm-hmm. wasn't ideal so not when you're renovating a house either no exactly (laughs) so for the first six six months of pregnancy or more um we sat on uh camp chairs you know the fold-up camp chairs oh yeah it was so uncomfortable we literally had fold-up camp chairs and a one of our packing boxes and we put the ipad on that and in the evenings we'd watch that and during the day we literally had a bed and the camp chairs for about five or six months of my pregnancy. Uh, so that wasn't great. No, you know we have an IKEA, don't you? I know. <laughs> we like to do things right. Every most of our furniture was uh, custom made for us, and we had an interior designer, so it was all done Amazing. exactly the way we wanted it. But everything had to come together at yeah. the same point. So wow, it a lot of waited it out that's that's yeah probably not wise um but she yeah and then my second pregnancy uh was similar lots of spd um very uncomfortable uh and i was pretty big with my second one and she was late i was expecting her to come early everyone said to me you know your second will come early she'll come early my first was one day early um and my second it's true the second you'd expect to be a little bit earlier then yeah she was 11 (laughs) days late oh no um and yeah that was hardcore they just kept telling me every time I went to the doctors after my due date they just kept saying you have to go back to the mall you've got to keep walking just keep walking Um, was she she a summer baby both of them were summer babies. Yes, hence uh, yeah. um, for anyone who's not in Dubai, you have to go to the mall because it's hotter than the sun outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we would have melted if we'd gone yeah. outside. Oh, we would have ended up yeah, exactly on the pavement like a snowman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we were literally pounding the mall um, pathways over and over again every evening. Um, oh. And actually, I think that was detrimental to my health in mm. that... Um, it 
you know, it took me a long time to recover my stomach muscles from my second pregnancy. My core was just not there. Have I read um, that she I, was five kilos? Yeah, my first was 4.34, which is nine and a half pounds. And my second was uh, five kilos, which is 11 pounds, 11 ounces. Wow. Yeah, big babies. Yeah, they wouldn't have done a lot for your stomach. <laughs> no, no. And to be told to just keep walking. Yeah, that's uh, a lot. Five kilos of baby bouncing around in there. Gosh. That was not cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, I do make babies. <laughs> so did you have a big, um, we call it a diastasis recti, a big split in your in your muscles? No. You know what? I didn't. Um, it was one and a half centimetres. Gosh, uh, so that amazing. Yeah, the problem was more uh actually being able to feel my core mm -hmm. afterwards mm -hmm. i had lots of physio um with uh, nessa barry who's amazing yep. i'm yep. sure you've heard of her on yeah, I have. um so that you know that helped but it was only and i know they say that it is supposed to take two years um for you to recover from a pregnancy in total but it really has felt like that because it was only around 20 months or so when I started working with the third PT since my pregnancy that I actually started to feel my core coming back. Wow. Um, yeah. And I wasn't even allowed to do a plank to begin with because the physio and other people were saying it's not safe for you to no. do a plank. Right? No, absolutely not. Because yeah. that's so much, I um, mean, it's all core, isn't it? It's absolutely, that's all you use yeah. is your core. Um, which yeah. is actually a really good message because I think, so often women just or media or social media whoever expect women to be able to bounce back straight away and and it, it really doesn't it doesn't happen like that it takes us a long long time to recover and it's i'm sorry for you but it's actually a really good message to get out there that um that we have to give our bodies time and it will happen um, and it takes hard work as well like it's not just you don't just bounce back um no. badly there is no such thing as bouncing back. You're not no. the same person after you no. give birth. Exactly. You're, you know, you bounce to be a different person, or you crawl to be a different person. <laughs> yeah. Roll to be yeah. a different person. Um, yeah, when a baby is born, a mother is born as well. And every time another child is born, you become a different version of that mother. Yeah. And you cannot bounce back to the former version of yourself. That's just not going to happen. No. But you need to have a softness about how you recover and give yourself some sort of leeway, some grace and uh, compassion. Absolutely. Uh, because if you try and just push through and try and get back to who you were, you're going to be fighting a losing battle. <laughs> I'm so happy to say that this episode of Motherhood Exposed has been sponsored by my favourite baby shop in Dubai, Eggs and Soldiers. The parenting treasure trove on the ground floor of Times Square Centre and online at eggsandsoldiers.com. Launched in 2014 by lifelong UAE resident and mother of four, Sophie Chabowski, Eggs and Soldiers proudly researches, personally tests and cherry picks eco-aware, sustainable and locally sourced baby essentials and playtime equipment, plus the world's safest and most rigorously tested strollers and car seats. This is where you'll find honest advice about the best purchases for your baby, toddler and family's ever-changing needs, plus tips on what you can definitely do without. Check out eggsandsoldiers.com where you can live chat with the team and order with free speedy delivery throughout the UAE and across the Middle East. Not only that, but the lovely team at Eggs and Soldiers have given all Motherhood Exposed listeners a 10% discount code valid until November the 8th. So for online purchases, use Zoe CM10. Z-O-E-D-M-10. I love that. A softness with like the, your internal dialogue. I think that's, that's a really yeah. good way of putting it. That's lovely. Um, how were your births then with um, larger babies? How did they go? Yeah. Uh, so I had, um, I did hypnobirthing with Jasmine Collin, which was amazing. Um, but first, sorry? With both of them? Yeah, so with my first, I did hypnobirthing with Jasmine. Um, but the first, that, that pregnancy, what I didn't know and what I didn't understand um, was that you really, it has to be, um, the level that you go into yourself yeah. is quite a deep level. 
And I didn't really yeah. understand that. And I thought, you know, if I do the breathing and if I, you know, tick all the boxes, it'll work. What I didn't understand is how deep I had to go into myself to make it work. Um, so it didn't really work. And I, I'm a jaw clencher um, mm -hmm. and a teeth grinder. And that actually is all connected with uh, when you're giving birth. If you clench your jaw, there are other muscles that clench as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was, you know, schooled by society and by the media that you have to push. And as much as I had been told by Jasmine and in the classes, um, that your body will do it for you. I was still trying to push. Um, and I was trying to do, you know, the thing that you see on TV in those American movies where it all looks so horrible and stressful and <laughs> very <screaming>. dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't do it right. And uh, I learned a lot from it, but it meant that I ended up uh, having an episiotomy. And yeah, in the end, it was fine. Um, she came out, she was healthy and happy. Uh, but again, they told me, uh, well, she didn't cry when she was born. So they whisked her away because although she was breathing and everything was fine, they were worried about fluid on her lungs. So they mm -hmm. just whisked her away. And my husband had to go running after her to um, keep physical contact. He was desperate to make sure she had skin to skin with one of us yeah. for as soon as she was born. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of left in the room with no baby and no husband. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And they all kind of cleared out. And I didn't know what was going on. I was left on my own. It was all very, uh, it was a very silent, lonely moment sitting there on my own after that. Uh, yeah. But then she was brought to me and everything was fine after that. Uh, but Did you get your was, skin to skin? I got my skin to skin. Good. Breastfeed was established. It was all good. Um, but it was, you know, it wasn't ideal. But then, you know, no pregnancy and labor and birth and none of it actually goes exactly the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. um, and I was grateful to be able to use the uh, water birth pool for the first part of my labor, which was amazing. Right. Um, and it really benefited me. But back then in Dubai, an actual water birth wasn't allowed. No. So still I fairly, to... fairly new out here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we like was... to be old school. <laughs> I had to uh, get out of the pool when they thought that I was ready to start pushing and that slowed things down and that, you know, also didn't help. Of course. Yeah. Um, but with my second, it was all very quick and very easy. Um, and I didn't even get up onto the bed. <laughs> I Good. didn't even make it onto the bed. It was all so quick. Uh, and they were saying to me, I was saying I needed to push and they were like, no, no, no. Um, you've got plenty of time yet. You're only at four centimeters when we checked you 20 minutes ago, you're fine. And I said, no, nope, I'm definitely going to start pushing now. And it wasn't, you know, this time round, I had known how to go deep into mm -hmm. myself and my husband knew how to support me with it. And we had done everything right in terms of hypnobirthing. We'd had a refresher with Jasmine and we had, um, we'd done all the types of massage and the lighting was right. And it was, um, the beautiful oxytocin was flowing loads of oxytocin. <laughs> so, and then when I got to the hospital, I kept my sunglasses on. It was middle of the night, but I kept sunglasses on when I got through because such a top tip. Then, I love that. That's yeah, brilliant. I love Take note, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Do keep them on. Then those fluorescent lights won't bother you. Um, and then, yeah, it was all very quick, um, all very positive. In fact, we didn't even take the suitcase in and we were doing stem cell um, uh, collecting. Cord, yeah. yeah, after the cord cutting. And uh, my husband hadn't brought it all in because we thought that we'd be sent home because I, they, we didn't think we were far enough along. <gasps> Um, and he had to go hurling, hurtling out to oh, the car no. <laughs> um, at the last minute. And they said, you'll never make it. There'll never be time. So we got f uh, seven minutes, I think, of delay before the cord clamping and uh, still had enough for um, banking. Wow. 
yeah, well, with really, five really kilos of baby to, to feed, I imagine that <laughs> quite a lot of blood. <laughs> and the thing is, she's, she wasn't fat. She was long. She was 58 centimetres, which wow. is quite long yeah. for a newborn. Um, my the, my 4.3 kilo baby was 51 centimetres. So a 58 centimetre baby was quite long and she was all in proportion. She didn't look fat. She was just a big developed baby <laughs> lovely a nice healthy girl i love it yeah yeah and um so was it their ex- your experience with them with your with your girls that brought you into being who you are today um how, how did you move on from being a mum to sleep extraordinaire that you are now <laughs> yeah um it was through an experience with um my uh, my first daughter, actually, she was eight months old and we were struggling with the eight month progression, sleep progression, um, that people all too often call regression. Regression, yep. <laughs> yeah. They've named it that and it's such an unhealthy name for it. it they are progressing, they are not regressing. Um, and I didn't know better. Um but she'd started waking in the middle of the night. She was waking at around midnight, 1 a.m. and she wanted to party. She was wide awake. (laughs) And I thought I'd done something wrong. I thought maybe there was something wrong with her. I was starting to worry about it. So I looked up gentle sleep support and I found a gentle, in inverted um, (laughs) commas, um, sleep consultant who told me that all the sleep support would be um, uh, very emotionally supported. It would all be safe for her. There would be no crying on her own, etc. cetera. Um, and that wasn't true. Uh, there, at that point in time, there were very few actually sleep consultants who were, who do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had not found one. I had made a mistake, but it turned out to be a mistake that has really changed my life. Um, because we started down the path with this fake gentle sleep consultant, and they use the term gentle to mean they're not doing cry it out, okay. but they actually do everything else and they do leave babies to cry and they will shut doors on crying babies or ask parents to ignore their baby for 20 minutes at a time and let them cry, mm. you know, without responding to them. So yeah, I, I experienced that for a couple of nights and we did the 20 minute crying thing. We didn't even get the full way through it, I think. Um, But my husband and I said, this is wrong. This doesn't feel right to us at all. Why are we doing something that doesn't feel right to us? Um, And why is this, you know, why is this being advised to us? Mm -hmm. So we, um, at the time I actually posted on a gentle parenting Facebook group and asked people what they thought and the response was unanimous everyone said the same thing if it doesn't feel right it's not right stop it (laughs) so we stopped it and instantly we felt guilt and relief in equal measures and uh, we brought her in with us and cuddled her and felt much better about things and I started researching normal biologically normal infant sleep Um, I started learning and reading as much as I could and researching. And then I found out about certification and it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second baby that I started thinking, actually this blog that I have called the gentle mama, I could turn this into something more. Um, so I took the certification and I did all everything I needed to pass that and then I started the gentle mama when she was one year old. Gosh. And that was it. It wasn't even a year old, but um, her naps were great. She was sleeping great because I was so relaxed about sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I had time to start it. So I did. And that's where I am today. I, I actually got to the point where I, I was struggling to sleep myself because I was so stressed about the fact that there wasn't enough support out there and there was no support in the UAE um, for parents to tell them about normal infant sleep and to support them with a healthy journey. Yeah, because when you say um, there's nobody who does what you do, can you, can you summarize what it is you do? 
Yeah, so I am a an infant sleep educator. So whereas every other sleep consultant um, will give you steps to fix behaviors in babies, um, an infant sleep educator, and there are, there's not just me, there are um, lots of us across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, we will look at the, the root causes. We will look at what is happening for your baby. If it is a normal behavior, then we will look at ways to support parents in getting the rest that they need whilst supporting this normal behavior from the baby. If there is something that doesn't feel right, then we look at fixing the root cause rather than just changing the behavior. Um, Behavior modification is what sleep training is, but that's looking at things from a behavioral perspective, whereas what I do is working from a developmental perspective which means that we're looking at things in terms of the long-term development, healthy development of the baby and the healthy uh, developmentally appropriate steps for the baby. You know, trying to night wean at two months old Mm -hmm. is not developmentally healthy. Yeah. Um, And there are sleep trainers who will do it because they're not looking at what is developmentally healthy. Uh, they are trying to fix a behavior on a surface level. My aim is to fix root causes of issues. And often those causes are actually coming from the parent. And it's not that there is a problem with the baby's sleep, mm-hmm. but there is a problem with the expectation yeah. from the parent. I think expectations a are a really good word. Um, in so yeah, much to do with pregnancy, childbirth, parenthood, I think expectation is, is the biggest culprit in, in a lot of issues that go wrong. Yeah, it really is. Societal pressures are such a huge factor in what's happening to parents nowadays. Uh And a lot of uh, the struggles that mothers are going through are due to societal expectations rather than their actual personal journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a client last night, for example, it was an international client from the US and they were doing everything beautifully but they had come to me because they were concerned that they weren't doing it beautifully because their baby wasn't sleeping the way society expected them to sleep. They weren't, he wasn't sleeping through the night. Um, and his naps, he liked to have physical contact. That is both of those things are perfectly normal. And what, what, how old was this baby? This baby was seven months old. Yeah. Um, so so little, but, and they were happy with what they were doing. They were holding their baby, cuddling their baby. They were responding, nursing at night, and they were happy with that, but they were concerned that they were doing things wrong and that they had broken their baby. And that's why he woke at night still, because society had suggested that was the case. And people kept asking, is he sleeping through the night? Um, And because there's very little information about there about what is normal for babies. Yeah. I have uh, to be honest, um, it's really ringing bells with us with our first. Um, but I told my husband I was speaking to you and we both could have reminisced about, um, so our first is six now, six and a half. And um, I think he was probably, I can't remember if he was, he was either, it was either just before he started sleeping through or it was way after it. But we, I used to nurse, well, he used to have an express bottle for, before bed. Um, and he used to fall asleep with that. And then, and that didn't work. We used to hold his hand. Well, no, when, we st- when he started staying away, we started holding his hand. And then I think we decided we needed to start putting him in bed and walking away because that's what everybody else did. Yeah. And um, like we're two fairly well-educated people. Um, I'm a midwife. Like I feel like we should know what we're doing. But everyone else was just, oh yeah, we just tuck them into bed, and then off we go, and we have dinner, and la 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 la. <laughs> and I can't remember. He was either ten months or like eighteen months. It was one of those two. But we did it. We we put him into bed, and we're like, right, that's it. Now he's gonna sleep. We're just gonna let him fall asleep. He's gonna cry a bit, and then. Um, and it was awful. We, I mean, he screamed and obviously, obviously he did because we'd obviously, poor kid, we'd never done it to him before. And he didn't, we didn't tell him we were going to do it. He didn't understand. Um, I think both of us were standing outside his bedroom in tears going, no, just a bit longer, a bit longer. And then looking at each other going, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, so yeah, but we, we promptly stopped that, uh, gave him a cuddle um, and then went back to, holding it, holding his hand and patting him, yeah. and being yeah. with him. But it was, it was because 
I was going to baby classes and mum groups and everybody else's babies were sleeping by, you know, going to bed by themselves. And we just weren't anywhere. Actually, he didn't do it till he was four. He didn't go to bed by himself till he was four. Right. Um, and then he, he just announced, you don't need to stay anymore. I can go to bed by myself. Now. Oh. Okay. Oh. Are you sure? The pressures that are put on us mm. are completely unnecessary. But there are many, many people who profit from telling us that this is what we should do. And then there are awful, awful books out there like Gina Ford that give us these strict schedules yeah. that we should follow. At 7.17, your baby should do this. And at 8.21, they should do this. What? It's also against um, against a lot of um, like the the SIDS advice as well because a lot of it is put baby in a dark room on by themselves and yep. we all know babies shouldn't sleep by themselves until they're six months. So um, yeah, yeah, they by until they're six months or the recommendation is to stay until a year in the in the same room as the parent. Um, yeah, the I mean the advice that's out there, I hear such awful things from sleep consultants. Like um, if your baby uh, vomits when they're crying because they're so distressed that you're not responding to them, that's them manipulating you. <gasps> Leave them. Where is this coming from, do you think? Like why, why are we talking like this? Why are there people out there saying these things? Oh, it's awful, isn't it? There's, um, so there's, there's a mixture. So there are things that work or they appear to work, so these sleep trainers and sleep experts that have their books, um, they will tout this stuff because they, they've seen it work. But actually, what's the definition of what's working um, is not accurate because, for example, with sleep training, um, there is a, a well-known study that shows that babies... Uh, who have done, who've been controlled crying trained mm -hmm. to sleep, which is where you have timed intervals of leaving them to cry. Um, those babies, uh, they, the parents reported that the babies were sleeping better mm -hmm. and the parents were getting more rest. Right. So the study was seen as a success and the conclusion was sleep training is safe and it works because babies are sleeping for longer and parents are getting more rest, so they're happier. But actually what they very lightly brushed over was that they, in this study, they also used an actigraph to measure the baby's uh, brain um, during this phase, during the night. Mm -hmm. um, and they measured when they were waking and when they were sleeping. And before sleeping, uh, sorry, before being trained to sleep through this controlled crying and afterwards they were waking the exact same number of times wow what was different was that they had given up on calling out for their caregivers to respond to them they were using that energy more wisely to to hold on to their own sanity, to look after themselves, to keep their cortisol levels as low as they possibly can. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Um, they were doing their best to manage that by lying silently in their cribs because crying out, they had learned through sleep training, did mm -hmm. nothing. It didn't yeah. teach them anything. Uh, sorry, it didn't uh, reap any benefits for yeah. them. It just used energy. So instead, they they lay there in silence. And who wants their baby to lie in silence with needs unmet? It's it's absolutely baffling. So the the way that they are um, the way that this message is being put out there by sleep trainers is that this is working. This is great, but actually what's working doesn't mean that just because it's working doesn't mean that it's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean it's healthy. Uh, uh, there is, uh, another sleep training piece of advice that I've heard, um, a while back to, uh, if your baby wakes in the night needing a feed, you should go in at around 11, 8, 11 PM with a bottle 
and stick the bottle in their mouth, walk out of the room and leave them till morning. This is so dangerous. You should never ever leave a bottle in the bed with your baby. They, they can get ear infections, they can get cavities, there can be other issues. It's so not healthy, they could choke on the milk. This is, it is so irresponsible to do this, but there is no licensing around sleep training. You can be a sleep consultant without any certification. Wow. You could just say who you are. Yeah. Uh, which is another bugbear for my for me because I really think that at least the basic safety of information course, should absolutely be. yeah yeah so yeah I could I could talk about this no, all night sorry it's, it's absolutely fascinating and it's it's terrifying in equal measures and um it it just makes me I don't know um wonder how we've got here how how we've you know you think back to how we've evolved and presumably we used to sleep with our babies in a cave somewhere yeah. and yeah. cuddle them and they used to just feed as they wanted to during the night etc and they'd be with us all the time or we'd be carrying them on our backs and now we've got to this place where where we should be putting them in a dark room by themselves and letting them cry themselves to sleep it's 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 confusing it's it's i don't really understand how but yeah, I did it, you know, I, I still came to come to the pressure and, and thought, oh, I better try this because that's what everyone else is doing. And Yeah, because yeah. people worry that we all worry. We want to do what's right for our babies. Yeah. But in the midst of it all, we forget that actually what's right for our babies and for us is to listen to our intuition mm -hmm. and to listen to our baby's communication. And that is very different to listening to, first of all, our triggers um, because there are things that, you know, we recall from our childhoods and we might respond the way our parents did. And that's a trigger. Um, that is entirely separate to our intuition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but then there's also listening to society and what our friends are saying and the mums at the park yeah. or the, the mums on TV or on social media. We listen to all of that and we start questioning it and wondering if we're doing it wrong. And, doubting ourselves and that's where um traditional i say traditional but modern traditional methods mm -hmm. come in yeah um i think I've, um, i might be misquoting you here but i'm sure i've read you and um, read that you've said um it's only a problem if it feels wrong to you um, something yeah. along those lines and I, yeah. I, I keep repeating that to myself with a 10 month old at the moment um, thinking oh I should probably I, I'll do it now because I often feed her to sleep yeah. in, a, in, a, in a sling then put her down for her nap and I'm like oh I probably shouldn't no hold on a minute it doesn't matter what I'm doing <laughs> yeah exactly so I say um, if it's not a problem for you and your baby it's not a problem um, and that is a huge thing because a lot of people will say oh I'm supposed to put my baby in their own room now. Well, no, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. If you want your baby in your room with you and if you sleep better, knowing that they are safe and they're beside you and knowing that you can respond to them very easily by walk, you know, walking two steps instead of walking into another room and having yeah. to turn lights on, mm -hmm. great, go for it. That's no problem. If, if what's working for you guys is that at six months you move them into their own room and it's not a problem for them and it's not a problem for you, also great. But every family's journey is unique and every family's um, reasons for their decisions is unique. But what would be wonderful is if every family knew that they can listen to their own intuition yeah. over the pressures and the expectations of society. Absolutely. You, you spoke about um, the eight-month sleep progression, um, but I think yeah. the one... Um, mums talk about so much is the four month um yeah. sleep um and it's, it is called sleep regression oh they're sleep regressing now um yeah, like, yeah. get the warnings beware they're sleeping now but wait wait for four months and yeah um, what was actually going on at that point so um this is another really big thing that people are not ever told about by sleep consultants because if they told them this they wouldn't get the business right um, <laughs> <laughs> babies newborn babies and babies up to around three or so months old sleep much better than babies 
four months and above. I'm just going to pop in there that my, my youngest, um, sorry to talk about me again, she, um, she slept through. From, she, she was born and she used to sleep all night and I couldn't wake her. Um, she didn't want to be fed. She just wanted to sleep and she did that for three months. And um, yeah. whereas my son was up all the time, I was like, oh, what is this? And then from three months, then, then she, she's up all the time now still. Um, but uh, I can yeah, put my hand up and say as a, as a midwife as well, like we, we're used to babies waking um, from, from newborn and needing feeding and everything. And you'll, you'll get some midwives or there's obviously certain situations where babies should be woken at night and shouldn't be sleeping all through the night from newborn. But there was nothing I could do. She was sound asleep. Um, she was very, very healthy. She was feeding superbly throughout the day, pooing, weeing. So I knew she was a healthy baby. She was a healthy baby. He wanted to sleep um, for the first three months at least. And, <laughs> yeah. and then that was it. <laughs> this is it for the first three months. It all seems amazing. And then it changes after that generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but every baby is unique and you cannot categorize babies into specific groups because as as much as their sleep personality is unique um your family situation is unique Mm -hmm. and your first baby's sleep personality might be one way versus your second baby but then on top of that you've got the fact that your first baby was a first baby and the second baby is a second baby and they're coming into a household with another child and into a household with a mother who has more experience and a mother who is at a different stage in her journey Mm -hmm. so you every single baby will always be unique and there is no schedule and no one size fits all ever for babies it just doesn't work that way yeah so yeah, that's another misconception. But uh, going back to the four months thing, um, as they go from newborn up to four months and beyond, uh, I, I kind of think of it like um, layers are, are being added to their world one by one. And they start off as this little baby who doesn't even know that they're a baby. They know nothing. They don't know they exist. They, they are just growing and surviving and starting to take things on and they're all these neural everything everything's coming together slowly slowly but um it's come together from a, a very basic perspective and then as they grow layer by layer the world becomes visible to them and you get to four months and suddenly they're starting to understand that there is a mother and that mother can walk away from them mm-hmm. and they they're starting to understand that there are to an extent dangers around them you know that they they want to survive and they want to thrive and that in order to do that they want to have somebody there with them going back to your cave analogy (laughs) uh, or just you know back then babies were surrounded by other people and they had a mother who was with them all the time and in order to survive, they wanted that mother to be there because if a bear walked into the cave, they wanted to know that somebody was going to save them. Yeah. And if the mother is carrying them during their nap, they're more likely to be saved when the bear comes in. Um, that instinct has not gone away. These babies still want to know that they are safe when they're sleeping, but when they're newborn, that doesn't cross their minds. They are not developmentally capable of thinking about that but as they grow older that starts to become a a more instinctive thought for them so they want to be with you they want to be cuddled they want to be safe and that's thoroughly understandable you know they are vulnerable (laughs) wow gosh thank you um i wanted to ask you um if you'd noticed uh or if you'd had a spike in clients because i wondered if uh over kind of COVID with us all being locked down in quarantine, um, I know our habits have changed at home um, and perhaps, you know, with, with small children being used to their parents being around a lot more, if, if perhaps people's habits have changed and now society is kind of opening up again and we're going back to work and back to school or back to nursery. Um, if people are now finding that, that what was working for them in, in quarantine no longer works for their lifestyle anymore and, and they need support with that, 
or have I just made something up? Um, it's a really good question, actually. So through quarantine, I actually had to stop taking clients um, because I had to focus on my family. I had both my girls at home full time. I did not have capacity to think of anything else. Um, so I stopped taking clients, but towards the end, I started a waiting list because the numbers of people requesting consultations mm -hmm. were getting higher and the desperation was getting higher. Um, people really wanted support. Uh, and yeah, now my waiting list is, is getting quite long. Um, I've started <laughs> taking again, but there are a lot of people out there looking for support. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Um, the times, interestingly, when I do see spikes in um, requests for consultations is around the full moon. Really? Um, yeah, which I, I hadn't noticed until uh, a peer in the same um, profession mentioned it. And it's true. Whenever there is a full moon, I will get more consultation requests because babies don't sleep as well during a full moon. It's so funny you've just said that because we've just had one, haven't we? Yeah. And yeah, she's been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I didn't know that. Because obviously being a midwife, there's, we always say that more babies are born during a full moon. Oh, um, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there are like birth centers that track the lunar cycle and things and then wow. and match it with the, the number of the births over on those days. Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah, so interesting. Incredible. I think it's so fascinating. So when should, should, inverted commas, a child start sleeping through the night? Oh, so this is a loaded question. Um, one of the reasons it's loaded is because the definition of sleeping through the night um, differs yeah. depending on who you're speaking to. No, I've um, seen this on your Instagram page and I loved it. Actually, I think I reposted it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, there are people who say sleeping through the night is five hours. Mm -hmm. solid. Uh, then there are other people who expect rather than have research but they expect that sleeping through the night means going from seven until seven um most babies and children don't go from seven till seven naturally if they haven't been trained to sleep and then we know from that research that i mentioned that even if they have been trained they're actually still waking, still waking just yeah. Yeah. yeah um so in terms of naturally when they'll sleep through the night it is entirely dependent on their um, their own personality, their sleep needs, the family's situation. Uh, my eldest will still wake in the night and um, she's six and she will still wake in the night and want some form of comfort mm -hmm. um, at one point during the night. And I do put that down to the way that the first eight months of her sleep went. Um, as the main reason because I was too busy trying to squeeze her into the box that society had made and I don't know I, I, I wouldn't put that I don't know I don't think so do you do you really believe that I think yeah, you're she, giving yourself a hard time there um my six-year-old well, still wakes up and we I think we did pretty strong attachment parenting parenting to that point and he still wakes up regularly um and I I have to go and give him or lie, I lie on his floor, <laughs> that's the way we do it, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I think, it's, um, I think it's very common. It's still very common. But I think, um, interestingly, your six-year-old is the one that you tried sleep training with as well. Yeah, but we only did it for what we did it one night. Well, we did it once yeah. for like 40 minutes or something. That was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, do you think that's enough I, to... I don't know. I... I know that she needs more reassurance than my youngest, who's two. Uh, my youngest wakes to feed, but I don't have to ninja roll out of her room. <laughs> <laughs> um, with my first, it needs to be ninja rolling, and then she's still hurt by the fact that I'm not there. Yeah. Um, my second, because I've helped her build a healthy, happy relationship with sleep from the beginning, she... You know, 
<laughs> I probably shouldn't admit this, but I have had times where I have laid her down on the bed, but as I've been putting on the bed, I've, I tripped. <laughs> I basically plonked her down on the bed instead. She still stayed asleep. Oh. And, you know, I can accidentally turn the light up bright instead of dim it as I walk out the room. Mm-hmm. She won't wake up she, or she will wake up and look at me, smile and go back to sleep because she is confident and yeah. happy in, in She's sleep. safe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty confident that at six years old she won't be coming through needing reassurance during the night because she's got such a healthy happy relationship with sleep i think that it is still perfectly normal for children to wake up in the night at six years old Mm -hmm. Um, in fact research has shown that it's normal um but i think the the nature of it differs from child to child and some will wake up and they can be resettled very easily and others will only settle with comfort yeah. and reassurance. And it's different from child to child. So there is no, there is no answer as to when they should be sleeping through the night. Six, it, research has shown that six years old, they can still be waking up. Yeah. And I'm going to ask another question that probably doesn't have an answer. So, for example, with your daughter, your six-year-old, when is there a time that you expect her to feel confident enough in, in and safe enough in her sleep that she won't ever come that she'll no longer come through to you I think in the next year um there we follow uh, Waldorf education and um it's very much about developmentally appropriate learning mm-hmm. and uh, follows their development very closely and there are stages that she's going through in terms of losing her teeth and yeah. uh, in terms of their their own awareness of the world that happen around six years old, seven years old. So yeah, I would expect that in the next year, she will be in a different stage developmentally mm-hmm. and she'll be out of that childhood baby stage. Oh, no. <laughs> and then on the <laughs> it's, it's It's so slow, but so fast at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, Hayley, you've kindly um, agreed to answer some questions um, that some mums on my Facebook great group, um, Motherhood Exposed, asked um, if you would answer for them. So yep. the first one is um, a 15-month-old co-sleeping baby um, that still wakes regularly to feed um, and the mum is what would like to wean the baby off feeding during the night and the baby being 15 months knows exactly where the breast is and will pull the top up and help, help themselves. Um, is there anything, what, what would you, if the mum's wishing to stop feeding, but still wants to co-sleep, is there a way around that? Yeah. So we, so my recommendation and through the training that I've had, the recommendation is not to night wean before 18 months. Um, at 18 months they're developmentally more able to cope with it Uh, every baby is different yeah but generally at 18 months they're more able to cope with night weaning Um, they can uh, their tummies can cope with going throughout the night without having milk Mm -hmm. Um, and they're old enough to understand being having explained to them so you can talk about no milkies Mm -hmm. until the sun shines or whatever (laughs) the the wording might be that you want to use but you can actually talk to them at 18 months about it and that's an important part of night weaning because it can be incredibly distressing and incredibly confusing otherwise um so yeah generally i wouldn't recommend it until 18 months old that's super interesting for me i didn't realize it was so long yeah yeah and still that you you think up to 18 months a child would still a toddler would still need milk during the night um some might not but generally yeah um during the night is perfectly normal and perfectly healthy for them to be getting milk during the night at that age that's incredible oh i've got a long long stint (laughs) (laughs) it's all right Buckle down. <laughs> okay, thank you. And another question um, was a, a one-year-old. Um, the mum is trying to put 
her down, um, drowsy. So she's rocking her, feeding her, rocking her until she's drowsy, but not asleep. And she's trying to put her down drowsy, but the baby just jumps up and uh, stands up in the cot and then gets put back down again, stands back up, put back down again. Yeah. Is, is there a way, um, what, what would you advise? So if I were having a consultation with this uh, family, mm-hmm. I would ask why exactly they want to have their baby go into the cot drowsy but not asleep. Yeah. Um, and I want to get to the root reason for this because I get the feeling that it's probably, as it is with a lot of my clients and a lot of the people I speak to, um, because society says that drowsy but awake is good. Um, and why do we say that? Very, What's that about? Um, because sleep trainers make money from it <laughs> wow. and because it seems ideal you know if you can do that you can walk out the room less effort for you yeah. at um, bedtime yeah. but uh drowsy but awake people babies are uh, unicorn sleepers that's what i call them um that is a rare thing and um, it is part of their temperament. It is their sleep personality. It is not something that you teach a baby. Okay. Yes. If your baby does not lie down happily in the cot to go to sleep, uh, drowsy but awake, then it's not going to come in a developmentally appropriate way uh, through any strategy unless the the unless it's their personality or unless they are ready for it developmentally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, training them might make that happen, but not in a healthy, um, happy way. Mm-hmm. Got you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, third question, how, what, what's the classic signs to, um, to know that your baby's kind of ready to drop their naps or a nap within the day? Oh, good question. Um, so you'll often find that when they're ready to drop a nap, they will struggle with uh, falling asleep at bedtime. Yep. So they, you know, you might find that the timings are, are unsettled. They're struggling with going to sleep at nap time. And then they sleep, the, you know, the nap might go well, mm-hmm. but then at bedtime, they're struggling to go to sleep again. Yeah. And their bedtime has to move to be later. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happens, that's generally because they don't need that nap anymore and you can stretch it and go from, you know, if you were dropping from two to one, yeah. move the, the first nap a little bit later in the day and then skip the second nap. And you'll find that they'll go back to the bedtime that they were at before. Is there a, is, uh, again, probably a question doesn't have an answer. Is there a, uh, a, an average time um, that a baby should take to, to, to go to bed, to have a bedtime? Ooh, I like this one. Um, <laughs> this, this is called sleep latency. Um, and it is the amount of time that a baby takes to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a healthy amount of time, and that is 10 to 20 minutes. Okay. Um, if it takes less than about seven minutes, then the baby is probably overtired. People always rave about, oh, my baby fell asleep in three minutes. Again, so I quickly. saw your um, Insta story on this with your daughter um, who'd missed her yeah. nap. And she said she fell asleep really fast, but then she woke up 45 minutes later, was it? And was wide awake. Yeah. Um, and it, again, it made me think, oh gosh, I think we've done that because we'd also missed a nap and she'd also woken up straight. I mean, she's much younger, but woken up and being younger, fell asleep much faster again. But it just, it was so interesting to me. I've not heard that theory and I've probably should let you explain it. Sorry. It's <laughs> supposed to be getting Yeah, started. no, that's it. That's it. When they're overtired, they will wake up um more easily or within the first hour or so of going to bed mm-hmm. because uh they can't get into deep sleep when they're overtired their bodies will struggle to get into that proper deep sleep so it's better to get them to sleep earlier 
have them take a little bit longer to get to sleep and then they will help get into healthy deep sleep um, and not wake up as early in the night yeah and obviously if they're going 45 minutes 60 minutes to get to sleep then perhaps you need to look at their daytime naps and adjust accordingly yeah, yeah absolutely got you amazing so um towards the end of my podcast i always um again ask the same questions um the first one being if you could have coffee with any woman uh, be it uh, famous alive dead um fictional who would it be yeah so i uh, you know you sent me these questions in advance and i ummed and odd about this one and then i suddenly <laughs> thought oh I know who it would be it would be brene brown I would love to chat with her. I just, she's so interesting. I don't know if you even know who she is. Oh, no, I'm trying to look like I do, but I'm going to be honest and admit that I don't. She's amazing. And I'm confident that if you looked her up and watched her TED Talks or read one of her books, you would just get hooked. Um, She is an incredible woman. She is a shame researcher. Um, she looks at shame and vulnerability and bravery. Wow. And she, she does things, uh, I think it's metadata. So she's looking at a lot of uh, information and analysis. And she puts a really human spin on it. And she's fabulous at talking um, and really insightful and incredibly inspiring. And I would absolutely love to have a chat with her and just to, yeah, I just think she's a super, super cool woman. And I know that when you look her up, Brené yeah. Brown. I love the um, sound of her. I know, she's incredible. I'll, um, I'll link her in the show notes as well so um, other people can find her. Awesome. That's amazing. She's, and the, the great thing is um, her books are on audio as well. So I... Perfect for mums. <laughs> yeah, it, so good i put them on audio and i listen to them in the car and yeah. i found myself going yes yes <laughs> i'm driving myself in the car because it's just so awesome <laughs> and you've got heavily tinted windows then or you're getting racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um is there one thing you found yourself say a lot um which reminds you of your own mother since becoming a mum yeah there have been a few times um yeah, there are several things that I've thought of that I'll be like, oh my gosh, I sound just like my goodness. <laughs> but um, one of the most frustrating, and I found it more now that I have two children and I can't have my eyes on them both all the time. The eyes in is, the back of your head. Yeah, exactly. I, I say, uh, be careful a lot. Um, careful, careful, don't do this. Careful, careful. <laughs> And actually, it's not helpful to say careful because it doesn't teach them anything. They're not learning anything from being told to be careful. And it becomes almost a mute word. They stop listening to it. Um, And I should be saying more along the lines of notice where your feet are going. Notice that there are cars on the road. Have you listened out for the water running? Are you aware that this is, you know, I should be making them aware of things around them using their senses so that they can be careful rather than just saying this arbitrary word that doesn't actually help them (laughs) that's so i got honest i think i could listen to you all day it's like yes it's amazing (laughs) and um your your greatest mum hack helpers inspirers tell us other than being a a sleep guru (laughs) i'm not sure how um popular this one is because it it actually um so the the the, my life hack is to surrender um and one of my uh favorite idols pinky mckay who i've been lucky enough on my instagram to um interview actually uh, and who i chat with regularly on uh, through messenger she uh, she has a TED talk on surrender mm-hmm. and her, it's titled surrender is not a dirty word. Um, and I think it's actually a really important thing that we understand this because surrender is not a dirty word. And as parents, um, surrendering makes a huge difference to how we cope and how we view our parenting journey. Uh, because 
often we're fighting things that are entirely out of our control. And we are trying to fit our children or our lives into societal expectations again um, that are entirely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And when we just surrender, everything becomes so much easier. And it's not about giving up. It's not saying, I give in, I can't do this anymore. It's about saying, okay, I get this. This is not something I can change rather than be bitter about it or be angry about it or frustrated about it. I'm going to accept the fact that this is not going to change. I'm going to give myself some grace and I'm, or I'm going to give my child some compassion and I'm going to surrender to this moment or to whatever it is that I'm experiencing. And as a result, our journey becomes a lot easier and more relaxed mm -hmm. and we find ourselves being less bitter and less stressed because we are going with the flow a lot more. Um, but it has such this, such a dirty word stigma attached to it that um, I think it can be taken the wrong way and people yeah. can feel that it means give up. You can't do anything about it. It's not about a, a wait it out approach. It's not about giving up and saying, I can't do this anymore. It's more about accepting when something isn't going to be changed um, and finding ways to make that work for you rather than fighting it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think I'd like to just <laughs> carry you around in my pocket. Is that, is that possible? <laughs> Can we arrange for that to happen? <laughs> have to be a pretty big pocket. <laughs> um, plug yourself. Where can we find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I have, uh, so on Instagram, I'm at The Gentle Mama. On Facebook, my page is The Gentle Mama. Um, my website is www.thegentlemama.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's M-A-M-A. -A. I have to highlight that I am the original Gentle Mama. Um, there is somebody out there with hundreds of oh, thousands no. of followers who has a double M. Um, oh. I have been around since long before she was around. <laughs> But unfortunately, um, my line of work is slightly different to hers. And uh, yeah, I am 5,000 followers instead of 100 thousand. <laughs> we'll get you there. Uh, Don't worry. It's coming. Yeah, not long. <laughs> Next week, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's M-A-M-A -A -A in the gentle moment. And obviously, um, you'll be linked in the show notes too. Um, Hayley, thank you so much. Um, I mean, I could listen to you talk all day. It's so... Um, <laughs> So refreshing, I think, is probably the right way to, to put oh, it. Um, so thank you. and um, It was lovely. Come on, thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, you're very welcome. And uh, yeah, I'll give you a wave out the window and say goodnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode. I've honestly learned so much and will definitely be thinking about how we deal with bedtime differently the second time around. I particularly love listening to Hayley's thoughts on the four-month sleep progression and understanding exactly what is going on at this stage in their little brains. It astounds me that this information isn't more readily available. So go and tell all your friends and then tell them where you heard it first. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode too, so please head over to my Instagram page to let me know what you think. Don't forget to join our Facebook community as well, Motherhood Exposed. Have a great week and I'll be back next Thursday. 